0: You're listening to the You Can't Fix What You Can't See podcast, hosted by author and consultant Karen Cornwell. Here we share real success stories from companies striving to become more gender savvy to drive innovation, growth, and engagement for all. The last seven podcast episodes have described the fantastic journey Exploring what Sage Glass has accomplished after deciding to step on to this path seven years ago. I wanted to take a minute and highlight what they've accomplished. First, they decided to go on this journey, and this may be the most important step that any company can take. Second, They both measured and published their results looking at the percentages of women in the professional, management, and executive ranks. And seven years ago, their numbers were 7% for the professional ranks, zero for management, and zero in the executive ranks. Third, they added a requirement. They said you must have one, at least one, qualified female candidate go through the interview process. And it was this requirement that did something really interesting. It forced them to dive deep into both how they sourced candidates and also what they communicated to them. They found they needed to get better at articulating their story, that they needed to clarify the value proposition for working at SAGE. That new requirement, along with the work they had to do to clarify who they were, taught the leadership team to start asking better questions, which helped stretch their thinking, and it got them to understand a deeper perspective. In fact, in terms of perspective, Alan, the president and CEO, shared the following with me about his perspectives that I think is worth listening to.
1: I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Um, I'm, I'm European. I'm, I'm managing mainly an American team. And I love the United States. I love living here. Uh, my eldest son's a citizen. You know, blah, blah, blah. So that's my caveat for what I'm about to say. But it relates to this, what men think, what women think. And I'm going to use Europeans and Americans. Europeans don't think they're very good, but they can achieve stuff. Americans think they're amazing and don't deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at the end of the day, if you're just forgetting this, what we feel about each other, you know, I'll never be able to achieve that. An American, easy, we can do this. At the end of the day, what gets delivered isn't that different? But one said it could do this, the other said it could do that, and they both did that. And I think the same is true in what I see in in men and women. Men tend to overplay what they're capable of doing. And it's the, the environment that's created that. It's a competition. It's all about muscle. It's all about winning. So they gear up for it right away. A man is going into an unusual environment ready for a fight and actually is deflated when there isn't one. And a Mm. woman goes in thinking, oh, I can't do this. No, 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 no. And again, I don't want to make it into men and women and, and Americans and Scottish people. I want us as managers to look at the person, and try and understand because there's confident women and underconfident women. There's confident men and underconfident confident men.
0: I really like how Alan characterizes the perspective difference and hones in on we've got to focus in on each individual and what they need to be successful. Let me continue now with some of the hiring process changes that Sage made. They asked their hiring managers to track the time they spent looking for diverse candidates. They made sure their recruiting videos featured women. They started using Glassdoor and even more recently, Fairy God Boss, to proactively recruit women to ensure that their slates would have that one required woman. The fourth area they made changes in was in personal development. They had everyone take unconscious bias training and they offer refreshers as well. The fifth area promotion and salary changes were also important. They put programs in place to recognize and promote diverse talent. And if you look at their numbers, in the professional ranks, they moved from 7% to 33%. In the management ranks, they moved from zero to 41%. And it is this area where these programs to promote diverse talent, they gave full credit to filling that 41% based on those programs. And in the executive ranks, they moved from zero to 25% women. They also reviewed all the career paths for female professionals during their talent review process. They perform a salary equity review, and they also look at an hourly wage equity review during their annual processes. Sixth, they nurtured a women's network. And this network helps women prepare their professional development plans and also helps connect women to mentors. They made some benefit changes, that was their seventh and final area. They put in place one of the best paid family leave programs around. And they're looking at putting a women's returning to work program to make it easier for women to re-enter the workforce. That's a summary of the programmatic changes they made over the last several years. Some of these changes can easily be implemented in your company. In fact, I've included a list of all these changes on the website. You can't fix what you can't see. to help you out. But you'll find you probably need a little more than that to become wildly successful. You'll need to ensure that you instill an enduring set of values and philosophies. You can see the Sage Glass values also on my website. For the philosophies, that's a little harder to describe. But I think this interview segment with Alan, the CEO, sums it up quite nicely. You know, there's some interesting themes that came from interviewing three of the gals who work for you. And one came out so strongly and it's trust. So every one of these girls said, you know, I was hired and they trusted me to walk in and just start working. And they didn't tell me what I had to do, right? They didn't tell me how to do it. They gave me this space to do what I knew I needed to do because they hired me for this job, right? I mean, it was, I'm bringing something they really want. But they gave me this space and perhaps maybe some air cover to say, you know, run with this ball. Let's see what you can do. And I think many, many women are constrained by not being offered that space to really show what they can do. So how do you get people to do that? How do you get your leaders to do that?
1: It's First of all, it's great to hear. You don't always hear the feedback. You know, in this case, there's three of our team willing to tell you, but they don't tell me. That's okay. But it's great that that trust is coming, because it is what we talk about a lot and, and, But it starts at the simplest of levels. And if, do I want to be trusted or not trusted? Uh, I don't think I've never met anyone who said, you know, I prefer not to be trusted because I'm a liar and I'm a fool. Most people, (laughs) everybody wants to be trusted. So it's not that difficult. It's not like you're having to find, oh my God, how do we find this 0.1% of the population with the scale we need? Everybody wants to be trusted, so why would you decide not to trust them? You're, you're making it difficult. So it's a mindset of, you come in, you've gone through a process, you've worked out that we're right for you, we've worked out that you're right for me, why would we suddenly become distrusting of you? This just, just makes no sense to me, and I'm sorry, it's maybe not helping, Karen, it doesn't help other companies, but it just makes no sense. Uh, it, it's like you hire someone and they're wearing red suit and you say, you know, we're really looking for someone with, who wears a red suit. Absolutely. It's critical. And then the first day they come in, you say, you know what, could you wear a blue suit? It makes no sense. So, so you talk about trust and you talk about the way we behave and you talk about them being a manager and trusting others. And then you say, we don't trust you. And actually, people police themselves in the main an awful lot more than their managers do. So you start with, I say to my my people, at my level, why would I want to know how many vacation days you've taken already this year? I'm, I'm not sure how that helps our business. Um, if you're going to screw the company and take 50 of them, we'll find out eventually because you won't be doing your job. And if you don't take enough, we'll find out eventually because I'll be telling you, you need more breaks. You don't look refreshed enough. You're stressed why... out. <laughs> <laughs> so we get bogged down. The, the, the nine-to-five thing or the 8 to that, that annoys the hell out of me. I don't care how many hours you work. I just want you to achieve results. If you're brilliant and you can do that with 10 minutes of work in a day, I won't see that for quite some time. I'll just see the results. I'll be honest with you. Once I work out, you can do that in 10 minutes. I'll give you more. That's true. That always is true. (laughs) No doubt. But I'm not going to measure your performance by you being in here till nine o'clock at night or. Working a way of showing that your email got sent to me at two in the morning. I can do that too. I just set the time, send it at two. It doesn't mean you were working. It's that level of trust in you've got something vested in this business. I've got something vested in the business. Wow. Why would we want to screw it up? And why would we create all the rules for the two or three or, I don't know, one percent of people who will screw the system? They will, but why do you create all the rules for them? Why don't you just say, okay, if I'm a shop, that's wastage. That's what people are going to steal. I don't close the store because 1% of my stock gets stolen. I just put the prices up on everything else. I don't security check every customer leaving the store because they might have stolen something because they won't come back. That's right. <laughs> so trust works for the vast majority of people until our, the fabric of our society rips apart. You know, I, I have a friend who used to run a, coal, a coal-fired power station in the UK. I mean, a really difficult job. Um, thousands of people Generating power for about 12% of the UK. And he took me on a tour of the plant. We toured the control room. And he went in and he said, these are the guardians of society. That's the way he described the guys in the control room. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, how many days do you think it would take, Alan, without power before our entire society unraveled itself? Not many is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, it's a bit altruistic, but I get it. He wasn't calling them an operator. He didn't call them the guardians of society every day in the team briefing, but that was the way he was thinking. Without what we do, this entire world we've created, whether it's right or wrong, falls apart. Now, I do believe that when things begin to fall apart, trust becomes a luxury. Mm. Things aren't falling apart. Even under COVID, things aren't falling apart. This is when you trust people more. When we started to have people working from home, weren't used to working from home before, the early presentations that we as a leadership meeting said two things. People come first in our decision-making process. And trust is even more important than ever. You need to trust us as the leaders to make decisions for you about the macro, how we're going to navigate this. we must continue to trust you to do your jobs, even though you're at home, even though we have no means of seeing you sat at your desk. Because again, come back to the point about being effective. It's about being effective. And some groups were therefore comfortable to say to us, I'm not being effective from home. I don't need you to tell me that. I know I'm not. And others were saying, this is better. So instead of coming out with these blanket rules about who's going to work from home, who's going to work, is let's be careful department by department, role by role, person by person. Because Karen doing the same role as Alan could be extremely effective, whereas Alan just can't concentrate at home. Same job. Two different people doing it two different ways. I might love being in the office, you might love being at home. So it's keeping that element of it and not as a leader or a manager saying, why does she like being at home? Hmm, she must be doing nothing all day. Why wouldn't you wanna come to work? It's to say, look, it's working for that person and it's working for us
0: keep moving forward then, right?
1: <laughs> you just want to find problems in where they don't exist. It's crazy. Now, we have to you know, keep touching base with that person because, yeah, they might love working from home for a month or two or three, but we should not think, well, you know, Karen said she loved working from home. We've not thought about her for four years. You might not like working from home after a while. It might all that... You know the effectiveness might have worn on. God, if I see the dog again during the day, <laughs> it die. Um, so it's just the the constantness uh, of of trusting each other and not deciding that you don't trust everybody because of the one or two or who will definitely screw the system. They will look for ways to do it, and they'll be good at it but we shouldn't set up the entire organization because of that. So it's fantastic to hear people coming in and saying that they felt trusted and they felt it.
0: Yes, they really, I mean, they honestly felt very, very uh, honored to be trusted and, and launched off doing their job. So that gave them a lot of energy also, right? It was like, okay. And I think it was Navrata. She says, you know, they had more faith. Alan had more faith in me than I had in myself. And I think that's a particular trait of women. And so when you put your faith in them, they may soar a lot higher than you ever expected them to go, right? So it's very powerful. People come first. And in a crisis, trust is even more important. Don't set up your system to police the few that will try to maximize their personal benefits over company progress. A lot of the philosophies at Sage Glass are summed up in People Come First. And you can hear even deeper themes in Alan's discourse. I'll end this podcast series on Sage Glass with a hearty thank you to all the people I interviewed you are in the middle of a marvelous success story. And I earnestly appreciate your willingness to share your success story with my listeners so other companies can become gender savvy. I earnestly appreciate your willingness to share your success story so other companies can become gender savvy. You've just listened to the You Can't Fix What You Can't See podcast with host and author Karen Cornwell. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and peers. If you know of a company doing amazing things to become more gender savvy, please drop us a line at the website youcan'tfixwhatyoucantsee.com. We are on the lookout for success stories to share with our listeners so their companies can become gender
1: savvy.